It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you from COG Studios on a Monday, March 9th, after the LA Galaxy's 1-0 loss, surprising 1-0 loss to the Vancouver Whitecaps. We have a bunch to talk about that, uh, including uh, some aftermath of what happened after the game. And, of course, we're going to tell you about the uh, latest coronavirus little twitches in uh, Major League Soccer and what that can mean for the LA Galaxy uh, as we get you ready for the big game against Miami Galaxy. will travel to Miami on Thursday to take on uh, Inter-Miami. David Beckham's team. All right. Uh, to help me do that, he's actually in the studio this time. This is one of those crazy things. He had a little time. He came down. It is the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, Kevin? Hey, right. Hey, I couldn't believe I made it here on time. This was amazing. I know. You You did well. You did really well. You know what, though? If you take this headphone, you go like this, it's like you're a quarterback. Yes. <laughs> Are you here? Or maybe a punter. That, that, that was, so so you, just so you remember, like three quarters of our listeners listen on a podcast. So all of your visual jokes that you're going to want to do today... <laughs> Still don't work well, for the this podcast. This is driving people to YouTube. That's this, what I'm trying to do. That's what you're trying to do? Yeah. You're trying to make it all happen. All right. That works. Uh, a, uh, a, a, a fun weekend um, in terms of lots of soccer being played. So that's always a good thing. Um, it was also, uh, I think, for the LA Galaxy, one of the best opening nights in terms of the stadium, in terms of all of the glitz and the glamour. Uh, that we don't sometimes talk about, but the lead-in to this game was possibly one of the best we've ever seen. You had the the LA Galaxy week that they had, Kevin, which had you know events all over Los Angeles and the greater LA area uh, leading all the way up to kickoff. Uh, and then you had the actual game itself, which was a overcapacity sellout. And we'll talk about that here in a second, exactly what all those numbers mean, because I think we might actually have real numbers. We may have, these might actually be real numbers now that, that we have. Um, so we have that, but if you look at all these things, um, they all led up to kickoff in the most beautiful, wonderful way that you would want a home opener to lead off. And to. then they played the game. And then they and played then it the all game. All went into the yeah the tank crapper. the tank the crapper. Yeah. Okay, those are those are both we acceptable words. Yeah. yeah, you can. I almost said the other word. Yeah, don't don't say that one. Um, but no, I mean, so you know. Uh, a lot of times I think the Galaxy don't get credit for what they do in terms of, you know, the, the marketing that they're able to do. And I think that they have stepped it up in in recent days or recent years, Kevin. Um, well, they you have can, something to sell. They, they absolutely have something. Chicharito, obviously. But, I mean, right. this team is being billed as a much more improved team, too. Um, this is going to be the team that gets them through the playoffs. This is, this is the team that should be an MLS Cup contender. Uh, that's how it was all billed. Uh, through the first two games, I'm not sure we've seen that. But that's what it built. What did you think of all the buildup? Well, I thought the buildup was great, and and the atmosphere in the stadium was amazing. I mean, Victoria Block making its competitive debut. Uh, it, I mean, it, the atmosphere felt great. And trying to get into the parking lot, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of people went through the same thing I did. I'm usually a very early arrival. Um, trying to get through it, the maybe it was the the new ticketing policy and stuff too. But there were. It, even in the parking lot, the, the mood was electric. But you talked about how they're supposed to be a contender this year. You know, they had a very soft opening two games, I thought. Two of the worst teams in the Western Conference last year. I think Vancouver was last and Houston was third to the last. 
after those two games, the Galaxy have one goal and one point. Yeah, that's yeah. not the that's not the start they were supposed to have. No, I'll, I'll say this: if you look back on the last season as well, these are two teams the Galaxy had trouble with last season. Uh, in similar circumstances, as, as Eric and I were sort of alluding to on Thursday night's podcast, uh, we looked at the odds for this game and we said, "Oh my God." The LA Galaxy are favored by so much, just like they were last time Vancouver beat them 4-3 to three last year. Uh, and if you remember, that was one of the games that sort of led to the LA Galaxy not being able to play a home playoff game, was that Vancouver game down the stretch, and then uh, eventually it was going away to Houston that, that sealed that deal of not having those. And the Galaxy lost both of those games down that stretch. Uh, and they go in, and they get a draw from Houston, which I still think is a fine result in Houston on the road for your opening game. One point is fine, but you were expected to get three points out of the game against Vancouver, um, and that and that didn't did not happen. Vancouver did not look good. I didn't think. You know, you talk about the atmosphere too, and and Houston was a sellout crowd. So Chicharito, two games into the MLS his MLS career, has not played in front of an empty seat yet. That, and that's that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, let's talk about good. let's talk about this. We got an email sent out by the LA Galaxy um, talking about the capacity changes, and it's something actually I'd been asking about. So hopefully my asking eventually you know cued this off, but mostly my harassment I think probably cued this email off more than anything. Um, but the, with the changes in the stadium with safe standing and with the removal of the bleachers for the chargers, the temporary bleachers and all these other things, there was a capacity change to the actual stadium. So if we're talking about the stadium and, and Kevin, we always remember the old number was 27,000, right. right? Yeah. Anytime anybody hit the grass berm, it was 27,000. It didn't matter if there were a hundred people on the grass berm or one person on the grass berm, 27,000. Well, the interesting thing, you'll, you'll, you'll get to this in a minute, but now there's over capacity. So that means... Here's how many people we can fit in if we sell every ticket, but there's overcapacity. How does that work? Yeah, well, I mean, so so the idea is that Dignity Health Sports Park currently, in its current configuration with safe standing, lost some seats with the safe standing. However that works, however you move things around, I would think with standing you get more people. But it's, it's just the way the seat's laid out. So um, 25,174, that's like the total number of seats that are in the stadium. Which is l about 400 less than last year. Yeah, exactly. And so, so you sit there and say, okay, with things moving around, that type of thing, okay, that's cool. I understand that. Okay, now you get into the overcapacity part where they can open up the grass berm uh, and the capacity sellout crowd or the overcapacity sellout crowd is 26,674. So if you open up the grass berm, you go from 25,174 to 26,674, which is what, 1,500, I think? Uh, yeah, and then there's a little bleacher thing in, in one of the corners. Yeah, and so in the north west excuse me northeast or southeast I, I can figure this out it's southeast corner it's inside it's above uh, the la riot squad section there's another 300 seats that they can put into play if they want to and so it's one of those it's like those are sort of our temporary expansion seats and that's what i did so in this particular uh you know configuration that we saw on uh, Saturday night, their total capacity was 26,674, and the LA Galaxy ended up having, what, 26,200 and something? Was that what it was? I can't remember. What it was that. was the largest crowd for an opener since 2015. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a large. It was 26,382 was the total attendance uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park for this. And again, uh, a large crowd. Uh, it was dark, which always I always think like if you're going to do all this build up and all this fun, it's good to have a dark game. So Saturday night game, a home opener. Uh, everybody's pumped for for Chicharito. For all the people who are saying that the uh, that the Hans Zimmer walkout music wasn't going to work. You, you, I laughed at you. As soon as I heard it, I laughed. I chuckled. I went in because, uh, it, as I wrote in my story, it taxed the sound system in all the right ways. It was loud. It was energetic. It extended in periods. So there is an extended version, which is one of the things I was actually looking at because I'm a little bit of a, like, 
composing geek. I kind of like this stuff. No, you're just a geek. That too. Um, but you look at all these things, I mean, with the lights and the way that the galaxy had the lights set up, and then you talk about the LA Galaxy hype video. Again, they're going to get lots of praise here at the beginning because the hype video, which was recorded in the Bat Garage, the same Bat Garage that was up for uh, the Dark Knight, the Batman series, the Dark Knight, the Batman movie, I should say, the Dark Knight, uh, they recorded that their hype video in the Batcave there, which is so cool. I don't know. It just it looked cool, and people, once I said that's where it was, people were like, I knew it looked familiar. I couldn't tell, but that's sort of... Being in Hollywood sometimes has its perks, you know? Well, you know, they, they also, with Chicharito coming, it, it, the season ticket number uh, increased by about 1,000, I'm told, from the galaxy. Um, but, but see, there's, I don't want to say a danger, but the fact that the, the, the game was so bad yes. is going to have repercussions in a lot of different ways. I talked to a couple of marketing people, and they said, the Chicharito hype is great. All the stuff you talked about that happened during the week, that's all wonderful. The idea is to get people to sample the product. It's like when you go to Costco, come sample the product and then maybe you'll buy. A lot of people sampled the product over capacity. They uh, can't even sample the product. They probably didn't like what they saw. So how many of those people are going to come back? The guess seems to be that you'll give it maybe two, maybe three tries. Right. Um, but if there's another game like that, a lot of people are not going to come back. Well, and let's, uh, let's get to that game because, like I said, everything was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Right up until the point where the Galaxy started playing soccer, and then things kind of went a little sideways. When did they play soccer? Yeah, I, I was going to say. Part. There might have been some, might have missed that part. Uh, the lineup that was put out by Guillermo Barrascolotto for the first home opener for the LA Galaxy had uh, Chicharito up top on the left-hand side. It was Pavone, uh, and then you had Katai. So basically you had that 4-3-3 uh, that was set up with the three forwards up top, although certainly there's some question about whether they were forwards or whether they were midfielders. Uh, you had uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, who returned to the lineup for the first time basically in the preseason even for 45 minutes for only 45 minutes uh you had joe corona who took over uh sebastian legette spot and you had sasha clushton come in legette went to the bench no injury coach's decision he came on uh he did for jonathan dos santos now before we get away from jonathan just want to mention we're going to talk about the trip to miami later right but this is a leg problem it was a groin apparently there's a a a muscle strain now I wonder about Jonathan for the weekend, and the reason why I wonder is because they have a five-and-a-half-hour flight to Miami. The last thing you want with a guy with a muscle problem is to be sitting still for five-and-a-half hours. I wonder how much that is going to figure into the Galaxy's plans because it's not a charter flight. You'll talk about that, too. I know it's a commercial flight. That means he can't get up and walk around like he could on a charter flight. Right, right, yeah. It's it's definitely uh, his well-being, and sort of he talked afterwards as well and said, um, you know, basically that he thinks it's just a fatigue injury and it's not necessarily anything serious, but a fatigue injury that still needs to be rested. Um, and it's not the groin. It's a quad which is probably related somewhat to the groin injury whenever you right. whenever y'all lay that out and sort of see how it goes, how you're favoring it. Um, and he thought he could go, and he ended up not being able to go. So uh, Jonathan Dos Santos started there. Uh, the back line included Rolf Felcher, Nick DePew, uh, People Gonzalez, and Emiliano and Sua, and then you had David Bingham in goal. So that was your setup for this. And what you got from the LA Galaxy, as far as I'm concerned, is a flat performance. You were going to say. Well, no, I was just going to say, again, with Jonathan, as you're going through the lineup, Jonathan had the armband took it away from Chicharito, and when John, when Jonah came out, it went to Sasha. It, it, it get, so, so it sounds like our Monday, what we told you about last Monday, which was we expected that Jonathan Dos Santos would be a captain whenever he was on the field, and how the announcement of Chicharito was more a marketing thing than it was anything to do with sort of the team still seems to hold true there. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you would have expected him to hold the armband whenever Jonathan went off, or whenever Jonah went off. 
Um, you know, the fact that Sasha Kleshin has it, another new guy to the team, is interesting. But again, you can sort of understand it. Sasha has a ton of time in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, he seems like a good locker room guy. Everybody sort of seems to be rallying around him as well. So that that wasn't a surprise. No, I, I'm not. I, I have no problem with him getting it. I, I just wonder why did they take it away from Chicharito? It's, what did he do in seven what days? What did he do? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine he did anything. But but is is he okay with that? Was he fine? He seemed to like having the armband. He seemed like the the in the preseason games. He seemed to very much enjoy the ability to go talk to the officials. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think, listen, I don't think the armband's going to stop him from talking to officials. He was out there talking, so um, it just gives him a little more leeway sometimes in order for that to happen. But it's unexplained. At any time, this is one thing a lot of organizations, not just in sports, everywhere, when something happens and it's unexplained... It's just you have to question it, right? And and then and then all of a sudden all these conspiracy theories <laughs> leap out at you, and, um, you know, I there, there was no announcement. We're, we're at fault because we didn't ask. Or at least I didn't ask, but you know, there's a question there. What what happened? I mean, in in my opinion, and and how it sort of went down, it, it feels like it falls into what I was basically told about. You know, that that you know them naming him captain may have only been for that game. You know, it may have been. Who knows? I mean, that's the whole thing. I, I don't think the organization takes it as seriously, or at least the marketing side takes it as seriously as the fans do. One. Um, and two, I think, as the players do. I think the players take that seriously. Being captain for the LA Galaxy is a big deal. Um, you know, you go along with the likes of the guys like Landon Donovan and Robbie Keane. Um, you know, probably uh, Kobe Jones, I believe, wore the captain's armband as well. Um, well it, it turned into a big to-do when they took it away from Landon and gave it to David Beckham. And then you have the women's national team. They had two players this week at their 100th cap, Julie Ernst and, and Crystal Dunn, and they both got the armband for that game. And it was a big deal. It, 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 and it should be a big deal. So, it, again, it's just one of those things. I don't think there's any conspiracy theory here. I just think it's more fluid for Guillermo than it is for anybody else who's, who's trying to market this stuff, right? It's like, Guillermo's like, yeah, you can be captain, and you can be captain. He's Oprah. He's like, you can be captain, and you can be captain. It's like that Captain Morgan party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Captain, I'm, captain. Yeah, yeah, captain, captain. I am the captain now. Um, so, anyway, so you, so you look at that. That's an interesting little thing. Here's the thing with the play. Um, and when you go through this, there's a lot of things not to sort of uh, like. First of all, I think it's interesting that Leggett didn't get the start. I think it was interesting that he was on the bench. I think it was interesting that Corona took his starting spot. And after Guillermo praised Corona after the Houston game, because he said whenever Joe came in that things you know sort of changed, it doesn't surprise me, but it's just interesting to sort of watch. Is Sebastian Leggett not a starter on this team? Well, he's going to be a starter this week because Corona can't play. Yeah, two yellow cards equals a red card, Joe, uh, even if you get them within seven minutes of each other or eight minutes of each other. Uh, you can't have it. So um, that's interesting for me. Jonathan Dos Santos started, only went 45 minutes. That was basically a wasted sub if you're if you're talking about it. And I think Jonathan did well for about 15 minutes of the 45, and the other 30 minutes he was worried about getting injured. Well, and you could tell why. I mean, it was obvious why they put him in there. They just didn't have that link to the front to, to Chicharito in the game in Houston. They needed to correct that, and Jonathan's the correction to that. Um, didn't work. It didn't. Well, I mean, it did work in a way. And I'll, and I'll tell you why it did work in, in a way is that the LA Galaxy offense, of which there was basically none of on, on Saturday night, did do an, one shot on goal, right? One shot on goal. Yeah. 12 shots total. They had eight shots in the first half and four shots in the second half. OK, so when Jonathan was in there, they were more successful on offense than they were on uh, on in the second half. But having said all of that, Alexander Katai. Uh, who, who is a guy who is has been, uh, of course, uh, heavily criticized for his, one, il- inability to stay on the field longer than, what, 60 minutes, 70 minutes? Um, his inability to do that. And then 
for maybe a lack of offense in a lot of ways, uh, you look at that and you say, okay, but Alexander Katai had five shots in the first half. None of them on target. And he continues to have, like, no, I think he has eight total shots for the LA Galaxy. I actually think he leads the LA Galaxy in shots right now. Um, but you look at all that and say, if he can start putting some of those on target, the Galaxy will have a better offense just from the fact that they're opening up space for Katai. They may not be opening up space for Chicharito, which is a different argument that we could, that or a different discussion that we're going to have, but they are opening up, uh, you know, room for, for Katai right now, and he needs to be on the field more if that's going to be the case. Right. And a lot of those shots that Katai is taking, I think, are ones that normally would go to Chicharito. Yes and no. I think Chicharito is obviously the the guy who's drawing a lot of attention. I mean, if you looked at all of Saturday night, basically he had two or three guys blanketed around him at all times, which is how teams are going to defend him whenever they know that the LA Galaxy doesn't exactly have a strong midfield. And I think that's what we're learning through these first two games is that for the most part, I would say that the Galaxy has a rather unathletic midfield. Um, I don't believe that there's anybody capable in there, even with Sebastian Legette there, of playing the central attacking midfielder, that cam role. I think Sasha Kleshin is the best at that role right now, and that means the Legette doesn't have a starting spot. Uh, Kleshin, for all of the people who said he missed a wide open net, that's a harder shot than everybody thinks it is. I know you said it to me too. Um, that's a much harder shot than you think it is. But Kleshin created two chances in the first half. So again, the offense in the first half was better. If they could have got the offense to be as good in the second half, they may have actually has scored some goals, but they didn't. Well, talking about the midfield, I don't think Sebastian is a cent- central midfielder. I think he's much better as a winger. But speaking of the midfield, one guy whose name we haven't mentioned, but he was very active in social media over the last couple of days, basically whining about not being here, is Roman Alessandrini. Ah. He's not employed. He was going to go to China. He had offer from a Chinese team, apparently. That obviously is done now with the coronavirus. He's not going to go there, and, and the Chinese wouldn't take him if, if he could. Uh, he posted pictures of his of his uh, vacation to Las Vegas recently. The, there was another picture he put up on social media of him in a Galaxy jersey, and it had a uh, a crying emoji next to it. Uh, he's obviously out there. He's obviously trying to get attention, let the Galaxy know he's out there. A couple things. Dennis DeClosa said that he thought that Roman was a very good player. And other people in the front office have told me this, too. They think Roman is a very useful player. They didn't like last year the fact that he was a DP and he was injured. So if you put those two together, a useful player, but we don't like the salary, he's not playing right now anywhere. If the Galaxy give him four hundred or 500000 uh, you know, TAM money, whatever it would cost, that's more than he's making right now. I think that he would leap at the opportunity to come back. If he doesn't play, if he's not a starter and doesn't play you know, 90 minutes every time, you're not paying him designated player money. That works out fine. I think he's definitely a guy that could solve that midfield problem if he stayed on the field, and he's a guy that could give delivery to Chicharito. The other problem is you saw Chicharito during the game a lot of times pointing to the ground and all these high crosses kept coming in. That's a Katai ball. Katai plays very well in the air. Chicharito does not. He wants the ball on the ground and no one's giving it to him. Yeah, that's that's that seems to be the the big sort of takeaway of all of this is that you look at that and you say, okay, uh, LA Galaxy had 23 crosses in this game from open play. Uh, none, none of them really connected. Uh, in fact, I don't remember very I don't know if one of them connected. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the successful crosses, but there weren't many. Uh, you know, Christian Pavone, who we talk about as being possibly an MVP candidate, had one of his worst games as an LA Galaxy player on Saturday night. So I think, again, if we're learning stuff from this, Kevin, we're saying that, um, okay, so Chicharito could be an MVP for this LA Galaxy team. Uh, but, or excuse me, Ch- not Ch- but uh, Christian Pavone could be an MVP for this Galaxy team. But if he doesn't play well, the LA Galaxy aren't going to play well. Um, I thought he was dispossessed easily. I thought his passing was haphazard. Um, I thought that he tried to do too much 
uh, at times, and he ran into trouble. And the crosses that he was sending in, along with the crosses of everybody else, by the way, are too high and not in the right spot and probably too late for Chicharito to get. An early cross on the ground is going to be stuff that springs Chicharito. But we look at what is happening, and Chicharito's not being played with in terms of he doesn't have a partner up top. And I really think that it's up to Pavone and Katai to press their lines forward, to be on the same line as Chicharito. So that way, one, if Chicharito gets the ball, there's an outlet pass or a through ball or something that can happen in combination with that player. And two is that if the ball goes out wide, like the LA Galaxy certainly seem to want to do, and we talked about sort of the midfield and maybe that being a problem, but if the ball goes out wide as it as they like to play, that then uh, Chicharito has somebody on the same level as him to receive a pass from. I, I just think that they're... Um, I don't like people who say that, that Chicharito disappeared in this game. He didn't disappear. He got 10 touches in the first half. He doubled that in the second half, which is great, but we talked about the offense going to die in the second half, and that's what happened. Well, but you, yeah, you look at Chicharito's numbers, though. Maybe he didn't disappear, but he didn't appear. I mean, he in two games, he has two shots, neither one on goal. In Houston, he had the fewest touches uh, of anyone, uh, any starter, and the second fewest passes. In this game, he had the fewest touches and the fewest passes of any starter. So two games he hasn't been involved. Now, maybe he hasn't disappeared. I think your point is they need to get him involved, and it's up to the other players. That's what I'm saying is that it's up to the other players. I, you can say, yes, he's not he's not present on the sheet, but the reason he's not present on the sheet is, is Guillermo, and I, I think this is really, if we're learning anything through the first two games, it's that Guillermo Barrescoloto better get things right because if you look at the talent on the field, Kevin, there's a lot of talent on this field. Um, Emiliano and Sua has turned out to be a great signing and through two games, obviously, through two games has been a great signing. So the defense that everybody was worried about across the entire Major League Soccer, no, but not one person said that the offense was going to be a problem for the LA Galaxy, but they knew the defense. The defense so far, not, two, not, not great teams they play, but the defense so far, not bad. Allowed two goals in two games. So you look at those things and you say, okay, so where's the real problem? And, and if you even look at the LA Galaxy, if you're Dennis DeCloser right now, Kevin, are you going to try to find a center back backup? Not with Nick DePew, right? Because you're like, I got that covered now. So where do I need to spend my money? Yeah, so much for my prediction of Franco. <laughs> even David Bingham, who gets a lot of criticism, saved the penalty shot. I mean, he had a good game too. Here's you, you brought up what I think is the problem, and I think it's Guillermo. The talent, as you said, the talent is there. Chicharito's there. He's not getting involved. That that comes down to the coach. The coach needs to find a way to get these, obviously, as we all admit, talented players to work together, to play together. Guillermo is horrible, and he, I think he has been in this, this season and two games here, at making changes during the game. I, I thought Ziggy Schmidt was really good at that. Team would The Galaxy would come back at, af, after halftime and be a totally different game uh, team, uh, be a different game. Guillermo doesn't have the ability to do that. Uh, I don't think the formation is working. Um, I just don't think the, the Galaxy are playing up to their potential. I didn't think they did last year. And I don't know how long the Galaxy go along with this. And, and here's why. This, this season alone, Chicharito is going to cost them $16 million, a $10 million transfer fee, $6 million in salary. He could cost them as much as $34 million over four years. You know, they, they bought David Bingham and they got Jao Pedro and they need to they need to figure that out because he's not going anywhere. He's going to become another Gio Dos Santos, a guy with, that takes a lot of money and doesn't contribute on the field. That's not his fault. I think it's the way that the coaching staff uses him. Pavone, he's gone after this season. I think he's going to cost too much to keep. If you don't make a change soon in the coaching, then you waste Pavone too. I, I, I don't think the Galaxy have a whole lot of time to waste here. 
so if you say if Guillermo's not the guy, who's out there? Well, I, one guy that's a possibility, and I guess we'll start this rumor now, Juan Carlos Osorio. He's down in Colombia. He's at, with uh, Atletico Nacional. He's a guy that knows MLS. His kids were born in this country. He's bilingual. He likes the U.S. He wants to come back to the U.S. Um, and he, he knows Dennis, right? He knows Dennis, but he also knows Chicharito, and he got a lot out of Chicharito, an aging Chicharito. He got a lot out of him when he was coach of the Mexican national team. The other thing is a formation uh, switch. You talk about the 4-3-3, and that's what Guillermo likes to play. If Osorio came out, I could see them. Osorio's favorite formation is a 4-3-2-1, and I think that works much better with the personnel that the Galaxy have. Chicharito's the lone striker. Katai and Pavon back off a little bit. They play, uh, you know, Chicharito roam uh, in the box by himself. I'm not saying that they're going to make the change now. I'm just saying they've got to be paying attention. These are two games that were very winnable games against bad teams. What happens when they get in the middle of the season and they're playing Atlanta and LAFC and Seattle and some of these other teams? Yeah, it, it, it's a real concern. I think that you have to continue to watch this. Um, you know, I, I I don't disagree with formation changes. Like, and you look at this. Um, you know, some people even said you could go to a four four two. I might even consider going to a four four two and perhaps putting Legette, um out on one of the wings and pushing Katai up better. with Chicharito um, and having Pavone be that 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 central attacking midfielder. I don't. I think you you lose some of his speed, but he has technical ability. He can probably play in tight spaces. It's not a perfect solution. I think that you're moving your best player and perhaps bringing him out of his best position, uh, which can be a problem. But at the same time, you may get more out of the entire team, including him, uh, if that happens. Um, well, you know what else the Galaxy are lacking is they don't. They're very static. It seems to me. Pavon comes up the left side every time. Katai comes up the right side. Really good teams mix that up. You know, Chicharito might come up the center one time, might move to the left wing, and then Katai comes into the middle. Really good teams move around. The Galaxy are very static. It's like they they have their positions, and if they're laid up the field, nobody's there. Yeah, I would I would love, um, and, and there was a video a long time ago that sort of enlightened me, and it was Thierry Henry talking about uh, him whenever he played at Barcelona. And he talks about, he goes, uh, you know, we were told that, you know, as strikers to get wide, to work wide. So as a striker, uh, he would be up there, and he would want to get as wide on the field as he possibly could. So he would go to the left side or the right side, basically almost all the way out there. And the reason is that you can take angled runs at the goal. And so I would love to see something like Chicharito moving uh, to the left side a lot and allowing whenever Pavone cuts in to cut into space in the center of the thing and then be able to return a pass and then still be involved in the play. Um, you know, as much as I said that, you know, Chicharito hasn't disappeared, the Galaxy aren't utilizing him, I definitely think there's something to the fact that um, I think he's working hard. Um, so I disagree with, you know, most of the people who have responded to my tweet. Um, but I think he's working hard. I think he can work a little smarter with how he opens up space for other players and that in turn can open up space for him. So I'd like to see a little more varied action. You know, we, we sometimes see Pavone and Katai switch sides, which is always fun to see, but it's a little slow for me. Um, in terms of whenever it happens, it always seems like one guy's like, yeah, now you go over. Yeah, it's like they point at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Those overlapping runs, what they do is, let's say Pavone and Chicharito have an overlapping run. One thing it does is it confuses the defenders. The defender's not sure where he's supposed to go. And if you have Chicharito with two, say, center backs on him, all of a sudden he goes wide. Now he's got an outside back. It's a whole different dynamic. Does the center back come with him? Exactly. You're, you're right. It may not create an opportunity for Chicharito, but it opens space for somebody else. I mean, and, and we're talking about an overall failure of the LA Galaxy offense through two through, through two games. I mean, the only offense they've generated so far uh, included uh, one pass, and it was from David Bingham, uh, and it went to Christian Pavone, who then created basically 
leave the chance. When your goalkeeper leads the team in assists, that's not a good offense. Even, even through two games. Uh, if you look at the uh, the LA Galaxy start as well, and I pulled up the stats, and I know this means nothing, but I always like to bring up the stats anyway. Everybody always argues with me at the beginning of the season that these stats mean nothing. So at what game does it start to mean something? That's what I was. So guess what? It means something right now. The two games already counted, so it means something. It just doesn't probably. We're one seventeenth of the way into the season. That's right. You're you're almost there. Um, almost halfway. Uh, so anyway, uh, three times. Uh, so the LA Galaxy uh, have the eighth worst start ever in club history by having one point through the first two games. Now, there are three times that they went winless through the first two games, uh, 97, 2001, and everybody's favorite season, 2017. I remember that season. <laughs> I remember that season, too. That's why somebody said, this is this is the worst I've ever seen. It Really? I, yeah, 2017 wasn't that long ago. I go, it, it was it was worse. The difference between 2017 and this 2020 team is that the LA Galaxy have, I would say, professional talent in 2020 and didn't have that in 2017. But the similarity is they got booed off the field. After they, their first home game. They did. Um, did they boom off the field in this game? Was there they, Yeah, they, no, they're... Was there? I, I would maybe not boot up. I mean, that's too strong. There were boos. There were they were grumbles. There were some grumbles. Yeah. I can understand the grumbles. Um, so zero uh, zero points. That was three times, and then five times they've had one point through two games. Uh, so basically, that means this is the eighth worst start in franchise history. That means that uh, there are seventeen other times that the LA Galaxy opened up better through the first two games uh, of the season. So uh, I don't know if that means anything, but you know we like to talk about it at least. Um, it's an interesting way to start off the season for a team that was very much um, lauded as an improved team, Kevin. And, while you're talking about stats, do you know that the Galaxy now are on their longest drought of not making an MLS Cup final? Last time was 2014. Right, and that was... Actually, you know, if you talk for a little bit, I can tell you how many days that's been, because I actually have a countdown uh, in this whole thing that uh, that actually works, but... um, here, I'm bringing it up right now. Everybody's with bated breath to find out how many days it's been well, since the since the last time. Uh, the last uh, MLS Cup win to the date was 1919 days ago. 1919, right now from today, December 7th, 2014, was the last time they were they won an MLS Cup. But they've never gone five seasons without at least making it to the MLS Cup. Interesting. So this is this is their longest drought. Yeah. Um. So that's interesting. As as again, we we continue to go, but just 57 days, by the way, left in the MLS transfer window. So Cameron Barrescoloto, Dennis Colosa could still add some pieces. Kevin, uh, you'd have to find where those pieces were readily available. But could an attacking midfielder? Could you go out and get somebody in an attacking midfield role? You might. Um, and so that's something I think that Guillermo and Dennis sort of have to weigh and see whether or not they can even wait till but summer. Again, I'm going to go back to the coaching thing because this, you got Pavone. That's the guy Guillermo wanted. He yep. wanted Pavone. He got Pavone. Chicharito, I, I suppose you could argue that maybe that wasn't Guillermo's guy, but it, it's the guy the team wanted. I mean, they, it, and Sua is the guy that they all wanted. They, they've got, you know, they've got the guys they wanted. It's pretty much Guillermo's wish list, and well, it's, he, he, it looks like he doesn't know what to do with them. Even the guys who have now stuck around since the last administration, since the changeover, they've had chances to sort of move on from. Uh, in some cases, they've re-signed them. I mean, for the most part, I think Perry Kitchen and maybe Rolf Felcher are the only guys who, although they had a chance to get rid of Rolf at the beginning of last season, and they didn't. They re-signed them uh, because they waived them initially, and then they re-signed them to a lower contract. By the way, speaking of Rolf, yes. I just add really quickly, Julian Araujo, who plays behind Rolf, as we know, and hasn't yes. played this year, did not make the Olympic qualifying roster, the U23 roster for Guadalajara. I was a little surprised about so that. So do you want to hear the rumor about that? I don't know. And I asked for clarification. I have not yet received it from the LA Galaxy. Um, but the rumor about that is that the LA Galaxy did not release him. 
That would be a shame if they didn't do that. I and and I don't know if that's true. And and I'm telling you right now, it's a rumor. I saw it somewhere, and I asked. I said, "Hey, did you guys release you, you guys?" I go, "Basically, I'm hearing that you didn't release Julian Araujo for the Olympic team. Is that true?" And they said they'd have to check on it, right? So somebody was going to go ask, but I, I don't know if that's true. If that is true, that that sucks. And two reasons why it would suck is one is it, it, it's a great opportunity for him, and second is here's Dennis DeClosa, a guy that built his whole career in in youth football denying a guy an opportunity to play in a youth tournament if it, that if the the roles were reversed Dennis would be going nuts yeah I, I think he would be and I, I think that and listen I think Julian Araujo is a borderline guy, starter for in, in for that team right I mean he's probably not first choice but he's on the bench uh in that in that lineup um so I think it's interesting that he was left off now if it ends up the LA Galaxy did would have released him and it wasn't an issue then we'll we'll tell you that but you know that's just that's just the rumor that I heard I don't know that that's true at all but when you talk about the the changeover you know there's only two players left from the last Bruce Arena team Daniel Starris and Sebastian Legette and so you know they've they've completely cleaned house a couple of times when you look at 2017 was a house cleaning then cleaned house after that now Guillermo come in I, I suppose maybe three house cleanings they've they've gone through it has been a lot, um, and so I really think that on the most part, we're saying that this is Guillermo's team. I mean, he has basically picked almost every person that's been on here now, um, and, you know, Shelvick was one of the guys that they got to sort of divest themselves of uh, earlier this season. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of excuses, and, and there should be some real criticism. I mean, you and I talked after the game about whether or not Guillermo was on the hot seat, and the answer I mean, is absolutely, yeah, yeah he's, he's absolutely on the hot seat. Um, and people will say, well, it's only two games. You're right. It is only two games, and he's going to get a chance to correct this. But it's not going to be like he's going to get another 10 or 15 games to correct There's it. There's just too much money on the line. Like, like I said, this is Pavone's last season, and Chicharito's here for four years. Three, well, three years for sure, fourth-year option. You know, the, the experiment of Gio Dos Santos is too fresh in too many people's minds. Let me let me correct you, or at least give you a chance to revise. The Pavone thing saying it's his last season isn't totally true. Because the Galaxy have a chance to buy him this right. summer. Right, I just think he's going to be too expensive. That, that's that's what, my point. That's yeah. what you think. Okay, that's, I just want yeah, to... And, uh, and they may decide to pay it. It, it, it. I think there's going to be a decision to make for with Pavone, and it's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it, they, this could be the last go-around for this. My point is there is a clock ticking, and they're not. he doesn't have a long leash. They're going across the country to play an expansion team. After opening against the third worst team in the conference last year, then the worst team in the conference, now they play a winless expansion team. This has to be a big performance. They need to win, and I think they need to win in a convincing fashion. Well, I, listen, you're on the road in Major League Soccer. A win is a win. It doesn't really matter how it happens. If they and get they're going to be geeked up, too, yeah. because they're home opener. Well, yeah, and Miami's going to be very, very much. and They're not a bad team. They're not. They played D.C. actually pretty well last week. Um, or the, over the weekend. And so that's, that's again, something to sort of watch. But, I mean, there's no, um, I think if uh, you look, Eric put out his grading the Galaxy. Eric grades every single Galaxy player after every single game. Yeah, David um, Bingham was talking about that. Yeah, yeah. He's real happy. Yeah. <laughs> grades, no, he's yeah. happier this uh, week, okay? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. He, he's doing better. Um, but if you look, um, you know, Emiliano Ansua was a another highly ranked player again. And he should be because he's doing well going forward and tracking back. Uh, we had the whole tracking back discussion on Thursday show. If you want to know what that actually means instead of just people who think it's running, um, that would be great. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, but no, Insua, Bingham was high marks. You know, I think the defenders pretty much across the line got okay marks. Uh, Depew, who made the mistake on the goal. But at the same time, 
probably it's I mean you're already in desperate defending he's already going down the line uh, Ali Adnan had already beaten one guy down the line he already beat Felcher down the line so it's like all this stuff you're, you're sort of doing I still think Depew is a perfectly good backup and possibly a borderline starter I think people Gonzalez who caused the penalty kick and he can pretend like that wasn't a penalty kick uh, he can pretend like he was baited into it but he got he was easily baited into it if that was the case um, so David Bingham made the penalty kick save uh, you know there's not there's no great performances here uh, the Galaxy did not bathe themselves in glory. Uh, they wasted a wonderful marketing opportunity by winning this game and sort of being like, yeah, this is it in front of the, a absolutely sold out packed house. Um, so all of those things could have gone really well for the LA Galaxy because everything was perfect, like I said, leading up to that kickoff. It was electric, exciting. Uh, there was there was so much fun in the air. I was walking around saying hi to people. People were saying hi to me. You took a group picture with people after the game, yep. right? So, I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that there was so much good faith moving forward on this that the Galaxy's performance by not being competitive in this game. Um, do, Vancouver didn't do anything special, Kevin. They, the they, Galaxy weren't even attractive. One shot. And, you know, another thing about that crowd is it was Chicharito Day, clearly, but I didn't see a lot of Mexican national team jerseys. There was a Galaxy crowd. They were cheering the Galaxy player. It wasn't a lot of people coming to see the Mexican national team's leading scorer. Yeah. And that that's significant. It's very significant. It's hugely significant. Um, that's something you, you, you know, that's again, that's how you sell tickets. That's how you 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 get momentum and you start moving things, uh, start moving the needle and all these different things that you want to do. So then we go to the after game. So let's talk about this. Galaxy lose. Uh, we then get ready. We walk down to the press conference. We knew it was going to be a press conference. Uh, whenever we got there, we knew it was a crowded press box uh, because we could tell all of those types of things. So that was there were a lot of people there. There were a lot of reporters who normally don't cover the LA Galaxy who were there. Heck, the LA Times had three people uh, covering in the press box. We did. Uh, which is one more than, than Corner of the Galaxy had in the, in the press box. Usually I'm the largest media contingent in there. Um, but hey, three people for you, good, that's great. Um, you get that. Uh, so we had everybody there, so we knew it was going to be crowded, and we knew that the Galaxy were probably going to try to move stuff to the press conference because it was so crowded. Uh, there were, I counted a total of 18 cameras in the TV studio where we do the press conferences where Guillermo always talks. And about four dozen other reporters, radio, print. Yeah, everybody else who was there. And uh, and if you go on my Twitter account, uh, the tweet that is now shot around the world and has about 110,000 impressions um, was a picture of the media room uh, with the 18 cameras and with some of the reporters missing because some people had already gone off to cover some other things. But um, basically, that picture was taken uh, right after Guillermo Barrescoloto had talked and he came in and did his normal thing that he normally does. And, you know, we asked him some questions. Um, I still think that uh, if you're looking at Guillermo and his comments, I think that he is not seeing the same game that other people are seeing. Uh, which is interesting because he said that he didn't think they deserved to lose, and I didn't think they did anything to deserve to win. So, um, I, you know, again, there's a little bit of odds there, but that's fine. He answered the questions. Everything was good. We move on. Galaxy say that they're going to bring in some other players. I know Chicharito was requested, uh, and we were told at one point that that's where they were going to bring him, was in the press conference. I was told he would be in the press conference room. So that's what it was. Uh, so then we all wait, um, and we get told that uh, Chicharito's not coming. He's not going to talk that night. But first, Sasha yeah. came in. Uh, well, Sasha, oh yeah, because Sasha Very uncomfortable, in. Sasha. Answered two questions, looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. He knew why he was there. Yeah. He knew he was there to give Chicharito cover to get out of the building. So uh, he did not want to be there and did not look comfortable. I, you know, but here's the thing with Sasha, and he's a veteran, right? He comes on and he answers the questions. Oh, he was fine. He just didn't, he didn't want to be there. And, and I think he, 
he knew why he was there, but he did. I don't think he bought it. I don't think he thought he should have been there. Uh, I think that. Well, I mean, again, see, it's a little different because basically because there were so many cameras and so many things, we were kind of okay with them not opening up the locker room, or the locker room was open to people. Actually, Larry went and talked to Nick Depew because I sent him to go talk to uh, to Nick, so he was able to get access. No access issues, um, and he talked to Nick Depew. No problems. Got it done. Perfect. Um, then Sasha came in. Uh, then we were told Chicharito was not going to talk. Um, and then I believe Jonathan Dos Santos came in. And David Bingham. And David, uh, yeah, David Bingham and then Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, so, uh, again, you know, you had that. Now, here's the thing is that you had, like we said, 18 cameras, television. There were a whole bunch of television cameras. There's small, smaller video cameras, but the big TV cameras in the back, there were about 15 of them and then some other video cameras scattered throughout the press corps. Um, so they were there. Uh, you had about 40, say anywhere between 30 and 40 reporters. It, I, that's my 30 and 45, somewhere. It was, I was guessing whenever I, whenever I put the number out there. Um, doing that, uh, and the large majority of them were there to talk to Chicharito. And certainly, even from the corner of the Galaxy perspective, I was there to talk to Chicharito. Well, and the Galaxy, remember, you talk about this whole buildup the whole week. Sasha Kleshin wasn't on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Right. The, the whole buildup was Ch Chicharito. That was the whole week. And then the Galaxy came to me today when I inquired about how they picked who came to speak to the media. They were like, hey, we picked the, the goalkeeper who stopped the penalty shot. We picked our captain. And then we had a veteran. We didn't think Chicharito needed to be there. Wait a minute. You built the whole week yeah, on Chicharito. Yeah. And, and here's I, I need to say this because there's been a lot of people saying, oh, it's just reporters whining. It isn't really, and, and let me tell you why. Um, I, first of all, there's a rule in MLS. It's it's a contractual thing. When you sign your contract since 2017, it has said you are responsible. You are uh, obliged if there is a media request after training or games. You are contractually obliged to meet with the media. You have to be available for a half hour after every training session, every game. Nobody presses that because we don't need to speak to all 25 players on the team. We don't need the third string goalkeeper. So nobody really presses that. But my point is, they sign a contract knowing that's there. Okay, so um, in every other sport in the U.S., now it's, I know the Premier League, they don't talk. In Mexico, they don't talk. That's fine. We're not in Mexico or the Premier League. We're in the U.S. LeBron James talks after every game. Clayton Kershaw talks every time he pitches. Mike Trout talks after every game. If those guys can do it, the expectation is, and maybe that's unnecessary, but the expectation from fans and the media is that they're going to hear from their favorite player, when he does or doesn't do something in the game. In Chicharito's case, Chicharito has been extremely accessible, has been really generous with his media time. Um, but it was clear that these people were here to see him, and there's an accountability issue. When you are the focus of the team and you have a horrible game, you need to wear that. Yeah. And he needed to come and wear that. Now, the Galaxy said today that the decision was made by the club not to make him available. That was not what they were saying on Saturday. And when they saw some of the stories about how Chicharito did not show, they called reporters after midnight to, to complain about those stories. And they never made the argument that, hey, we told him not to come. So, you know, I, I don't know what to believe at this time, but there's an accountability issue. And the other part of it is, too, it's not I can write my story without Chicharito. And I, and I did. And so did everybody else. So did you. But um MLS is in a bad position right now. It's the on a good day, it's the fifth most popular professional sports league. You could put it behind college basketball and college football, so it, it, that drops down the, the ladder a little bit more. It has a, a a chance in LA with Chicharito in the largest Hispanic market in the country to make some inroads. Right now in this market, Liga MX, they get over a million viewers every weekend. 
MLS got less than half that on their opening weekend. It's people like Chicharito that can move that needle. But if they're not, if they, if 18 cameras show up and Chicharito doesn't get in front of those cameras, none of that video goes out anywhere. If Chicharito doesn't come and 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 give us a quote, he doesn't get mentioned in the story. He didn't exist. Um, it, that that's the issue. It's not reporters whining. It's the it's the credibility of the league. And it's the ability of the league to grow. They need to grow with personalities. No one's going to come see the Seattle Sounders. They come to see the players on the Seattle Sounders. It's the personalities. And they and for the Galaxy to to use Chicharito in a week-long promotional series and then to say he doesn't really matter, he doesn't need to talk to you guys after the game, that that's disingenuous. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, it, you know, it's, it's again, I think some people have, have sort of said, well, why would he want to do that? Because there was a bunch of, you know, Spanish-speaking press. I would say that there was probably a, a predominance of, of the Mexican uh, press who were there to cover Chicharito, as you would expect them to be. Um, and they say, well, why, did, why would you want to put him in front of that when you know he's going to get beat up? Well, he got beat up anyway. Because he is going to get beat up because he didn't have a great game. Now, you can, again, you can listen to what we have said and said, hey, maybe some of that's not his fault. Uh, maybe that's the LA Galaxy players. But, you know, he could come out there. They got worse press by him not showing up. Again, the tweet that I had went uh, went up on ESPN for some on, by the way, a tweet that I had a grammatical error in went up on ESPN because it's never the ones that I'm perfect in. It's always the ones that are like just a little bit, but it went up on ESPN. Uh, I've seen it reproduced in a bunch of different Spanish language, um, you know, papers and articles online. Um, so all that stuff happens and they got bad press because he didn't show up and didn't talk. Now, whether he decided it or the team decided it, it's a bad move. He did it. He talked after Houston. He had an equally bad game. He talked after Houston. He was great. He answered all questions. There's a couple of things people say, well, they're going to ask him about the Mexican national team. I haven't I don't think I've heard one question of Chicharito about the Mexican national team. And in the past with with Jonah and Gio, uh, the PR staff just simply steps in and say that we're going to keep the focus on MLS. Even Landon Donovan had that. People would ask him national team questions. And, he, you know, the pushback would be, we're going to focus on the Galaxy. That's all you need to do. Nobody was there to ask him about the national team. They were there to ask him uh, about coming to MLS. Now, yes, he had a bad game. And you, if you're looking at it from Chicharito's side, he's probably thinking there's no upside. I'm going to go in. If I, if I say my teammates didn't give me the ball, then I'm throwing them under the bus. Right. If I said I suck, then the question is, well, well how are you going to fix that? So he may have looked at it and said there's really no upside. That's precisely why he needs to be there. Again, the accountability. We're going to write about him when he scores five goals in the game, and we're going to write about how great he is, and he's going to show up and tell us how great he is. Part of the deal is, though, when you don't have a good game, you need to show up and own that, too. Well, I, we got into way into that way more than I probably wanted to, just yeah, because again, it's 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 inside baseball for a lot of people, and we'll continue a little bit inside baseball just so you sort of understand that the coronavirus thing is progressing right now. Uh, Major League Baseball, the NHL, NBA, the NFL, uh, and Major League Soccer came what about out. The XFL, they, they haven't come. They weren't part of that discussion mm-hmm. apparently. Um, came out with a joint statement today. Uh, basically, what it did was it it limited access to the locker rooms and clubhouses of these professional sports um, to basically players and essential clubhouse personnel only, which means that the media is no longer in there. Now, Kevin, you and I have talked about this, and we have said we knew basically last week or or over the weekend that this was going to be a possibility coming forward. And we both said 
kind of makes sense to us. It's like not horrible. We know how close we are with those guys. It's sweaty. It's hot. It's not a particularly comfortable thing that we Nobody do. Nobody wants to go into a, a professional sports team's clubhouse. Nobody wants to do that. Right. A, it, but we have to do it to do our job. Yeah, and, and that's the important part uh, about this is that um, basically MLS has said that we're not allowed to be in the locker room anymore, and that's fine. Um, there, I think that if you say that, um, but you also don't have any guidance for the uh, for the the fans who show up. They're basically saying that we're not allowed to be too close to the players because they're protecting their players. But what they're also not acknowledging is that whenever you come to the stadium, that you're probably too close to each other there too if you're worried about the coronavirus. So if they're really worried about the coronavirus, why aren't they why aren't they shuttering well, things? The people who were on the cruise ship in Yokohama Harbor, they were told they had to stay six feet apart. I don't, unless, you know, they had overcapacity crowd, that means that people were touching each other sitting in the stands. Especially if you're a fat guy like me, you you know, there's no elbow room. You're right. actually brushing against people, which is what all the disease experts say is the wrong thing to do. Yeah, so so um, they're saying that. So the, the big deal here, and the reason that it's a bigger deal for reporters and why one of the things that we focus on, and again, uh, I, I sometimes have to educate people. From the box means from the press box, basically, whenever we name this show. Really? Uh, I thought it was the 18-yard box. It, it, see, it's dual meeting. Isn't it fun? We're, we're good at that. Um, so, you know, from the box sort of has that. This is from the press box. So you're going to get more press stuff, and we're going to sort of look at this. But the reason that we're concerned about this is that this has been a long-negotiated, uh, long-argued access thing that has gone through, you know, Major League Baseball and NFL, certainly not in Major League Soccer where we, you know, we, it hasn't been argued. It's always been argued for Major League Soccer that as long as there's access in all the other places that you can go and walk into the clubhouse of the Dodgers or uh, you can go uh, head into the locker room of the Rams, as long as that's there, the MLS better have the same thing. Otherwise, you're providing different media coverage, basically. And so that's why it the long uh, sort of argued for and bargained for thing that has happened with all these sports writers who cover all these sports across all the different um, you know, different associations. And Kevin, you and I are both members of the North American Soccer uh, Reporters. Um, so, we're, we're, you know, we're part of these organizations. Uh, they're worried that if you take away access now, that there will be a difficulty in bringing that access back whenever it's time. And it's happened before. My understanding, there was access at the very beginning of MLS 25 years ago. Freddie Adu came. Um, the, the media craze was so much, the crush was so much that that they said uh, reporters could not go into the locker room in Washington. They would bring Freddie Adu out. And then when Freddie left, they tried to keep those rules. And the reporters pushed back and said, wait a minute, you gave us a reason. That reason is no longer here. You know, in baseball, it's crazy. It's nuts. It's it's uh, it's not necessary. But reporters can go into a, a team's clubhouse three and a half hours before the game. And they can stay up there until the team leaves for batting practice. Then they get to come in 10 minutes after the game, and they can stay as long as they want. That's way too much access. And the players' union in the last collective bargaining agreement, actually the players actually said, as part of this collective bargaining agreement, we want to limit media access. And, and the Baseball Writers Association, which is very powerful, they vote for the Hall of Fame guys. The Baseball Writers Association came back and said, no, you know, you can't do that. We don't need to be in there for three and a half hours. But they made the exact same point that you did. If you limit it to two and a half hours, what comes next? Then it's an hour and a half, then it's an hour. And that at some point it becomes, uh, it, it, it hurts the ability of us to do our jobs. The, the whole reason, and again, it says what, you know, and Kevin, you said it, you know, going in the locker room, it, it's, listen, for fans and for people who are interested in the team, it's an exciting thing because not everybody gets to do it. I get it. Um, having done it for a very long time, it's unnecessary in a lot of ways, except for these ways, which is having a conversation off to the side with a player is something that is super important. Um, a lot of times you get story ideas from that. It's like, oh, hey, hey, uh, you know, say, oh, hey, David Bingham. Oh, you said that 30 of your family were here tonight? 
Why were they here? Oh, you're celebrating, you know, this? Oh, that's that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. And then all of a sudden, an off-the-record conversation where you're sort of just saying, hey, how's everything going, becomes a, hey, tell me about that. Here's the recorder. Let's talk about it, and I'm going to write a story about it. Um, and it's those relationships that form, and you're able to understand players. I mean, you know, Larry going to talk to Nick DePew, uh, and he talks about immediately Nick DePew. You know, DePew had a pretty good game. First thing he says out of Larry, he's like, yeah, but I could have played better. I could have played better. It was an angle that you're sort of sitting there going, okay, I get it, but you have this kid who's making, you know, sort of his MLS debut. He's an MLS rookie. He's 25 years old. He's there. He's talking to a reporter, and the first thing, you know what? I made a mistake. Here's the mistake I made. And Larry has that in his article. And you don't get that if you just get all the big names or you get it, you know, from press conferences and that type of thing. That's the important part of this is the little things that we're able to. It's the things that, Kevin, you always tell me. If you're going to go into the locker room and you're going to talk to somebody, you find something that you can't see from the stand. You find something that people didn't know. Find that one nugget in there that people like the Batcave thing that I put in my story. I was like, oh, this is something people don't know. And now I'm going to put it in my story well, so they know it. The thing with baseball is that three and a half hours before, as I said, you don't really need that. But every writer is there because you don't know if some relief pitcher is going to hit a third string catcher um, and start a fight or something. But you do pick up those little things. You just you're kind of standing around as people are getting dressed, and it's really uncomfortable. But some guy sits down with a field and stream, and you wander over and say, "Oh, you into hunting?" And then you're right. You get those stories. You don't get those if you say, "I'd like to talk to player X out in the hallway after the game," and he comes out in uniform, doesn't have field and stream with him. You don't. You're, you're filling that time when you're there. Uh, you're filling that time in those conversations. You're right. They absolutely lead to something. I had much closer relationships with all the baseball players I covered. Uh, than I do with any of the soccer players, whom whom I like better, by the way, the <laughs> soccer players. But I don't have the relationships because I'm not allowed to have that little extra free time with them to just chat them up. Here, here's a fun little uh, little contradiction as well. The LA Galaxy and and you know, basically, I shouldn't say the LA Galaxy. Let me make this correct. Uh, Major League Soccer has now limited the access to the locker room for reporters, and that's fine. I understand why they're doing it. Uh, however, the LA Galaxy will get on a commercial flight on Thursday uh, in the afternoon and fly, what, five, five and a half hours to Miami from Los Angeles, uh, and they will do that on a commercial flight, uh, but they're worried about the reporters who are going to be in the locker room. It, to me, again, you don't worry about the fans. There's no statement here on the fans. You're still going to have games this weekend, as far as we know, and granted, I, I think things could change quickly. Um, if the if the government decides it's going to change, they, there could be no games this weekend. You could be you could be in Miami when they decide that. We had in our paper, the L.A. County uh, health advisor or whatever health supervisor had said that they have already talked to all of the teams in the conference call about the possibility of either canceling sporting events and concerts or playing them behind in empty stadiums. Yeah, in empty stadiums. That's already on the table. That That is on the table. Um, so all that stuff can change. But right now you have the LA Galaxy uh, who uh, won't let you and I in the locker room with them but are going to go sit with 300 of their closest friends uh, and strangers on a commercial flight. So if Major League Soccer is really this concerned, which I think there should be a legitimate concern, um, then why are they flying on a commercial flight? And, and Guillermo's already, we just talked about some of, we went on way too long about that media stuff. No one cares about it, but it does affect the, the, the knowledge that we can bring you about the team. And, and as an aside to that, Guillermo, in just one of those like locker room moments, he, just, he had finished his press conference, all the tape recorders were off, he and I were just talking, and he said, hey, this was a week ago, he said, hey, did you hear they canceled a concert in Miami because of the coronavirus? And I knew what he meant. He was already looking ahead to traveling to Miami. 
and he was very concerned about. It. Since then, they ca- they canceled the Cayocho, the street festival there in the in Little Havana, which is a huge, huge deal in Miami. If they cancel that, that's like canceling, uh, you know, uh, Christmas. It's a big deal. Guillermo was already on top of that. He knew what was going on, and he was concerned about it. And it, my concern, I, I don't understand. I didn't quite get whether he was concerned about his players' health or whether that game might be canceled. But it was already on his radar a week ago. Yeah, and, and as it should be. Again, all these things sort of coming. You know, South by Southwest was uh, was canceled by the city of Austin, uh, Austin, Texas, and that's a huge uh, thing for them. Now, now uh, there were already pl- uh, businesses who were saying we're not coming, and so they started pulling out of that. So that was part of it. Um, but all these things are, are sort of leading to it. So again, um, you know, I'm. It, it's difficult, and I think that this could be a very serious, you know, uh, illness that sweeps across the entire world. Serie A is canceled now. Yeah, everybody's and Italy's in lockdown basically. Basically, everybody's in quarantine. Poor Zlatan. Mode. Yep, Zlatan can't go anywhere. I wonder uh, what he's saying. I, I, I coronavirus know. not affect me. Zlatan affect coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the coronavirus <laughs> should be uh, should be worried about that. Um, all of these things are, are happening around the world, and when they happen in the United States, I think that it won't be as surprising if they do. So uh, again, just something to sort of watch. The LA Galaxy it, are currently scheduled to travel to Miami on Thursday. And and be clear, where this is not panic. We're not trying to no. to scare anybody. Uh, frankly, I mean, when you look at the number of cases so far. Compared to the flu, uh, you kind of want to go. Well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is there's no there's there's no remedy for this right now. All we're trying to do is say, there's the possibility. That, you know, be prepared for this. Um, you know, do, maybe maybe don't plan your vacation just yet. The Galaxy may uh, may not have a game for you to go see when you uh, you know when you want to travel to Kansas City or somewhere. It's got to be in the back of your mind because things are developing quickly. The momentum is building. I guess that's sort of part of it. If Syria A is canceled. MLS has to look at that and say, maybe we got to consider that too. Yeah, m- maybe that's something. By the way, I have to shout out to all the uh, fans that I met uh, on uh, on Saturday. Lots of elbow bumps in there. Lots of elbow bumps and, and foot bumps and, and so a little bit of fist bumps, but not too many handshakes, not as many hugs. Although I certainly think that once alcohol was involved, that hugs were a little more common. But uh, you know when you get hand sanitizer? I understand that you can't get it at like CVS and Walgreens. Yeah, you can't. No, you can't. You can't. Where? LA Fitness. LA Fitness. You can tell I go to the gym a lot. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the LA Fitness, they have hand sanitizer. That's good. That's good. Well, the city, what, the city of New York's making their own hand sanitizer now. Didn't you hear that? That was today. No. Yes, that's an actual thing that's happening. Oh, so much fun. Isn't it all fun? Uh, LA Galaxy Weekly schedule, uh, they're training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Primary media availability is Thursday. I think Larry Morgan will be out there on Thursday. Uh, Galaxy then depart for Miami on Thursday afternoon. Uh, they arrive in Miami that night. Then they will train in Miami on Friday before then they uh, take on Inter-Miami FC. David uh, Beckham's team. Yep, 11.30 a.m. That game is on Fox. That's Big Boy Fox, not uh, not anything else. So over-the-air Fox. From Fort say. Lauderdale. From Fort Lauderdale, as it says. Uh, 11.30 a.m. is that kickoff. Now, also should, should mention that the USL opener, the home opener for uh, LA Galaxy 2, who had a 5-1 win over Rio Grande Valley FC, um, it included goals by Cameron Dunbar. His professional debut, he had a goal and an assist. Looked really good. And then uh, the guy who I'm still convinced is going to make it to the senior team uh, this year, right now, Kai Kareniak had two goals in that game. They ended up winning 5-1. to one. But they'll be home for their home opener, Dignity Health Sports Park. This is the big stadium, by the way. Just a reminder, big stadium, Dignity Health Sports Park, 7.30 p.m. Uh, that kicks off 2020 uh, championship, the USL championship against Austin Bold FC. Oh, that's it. 
They're going to be in the big stadium. They're not on the track stadium anymore. They're not on the track stadium. That is not a thing this year, apparently. I don't know if it was a USL requirement because of certain stadium guidelines or however it was, but I'm told, or at least I was told earlier this year, that it's no track stadium, track and field stadium. It is the big stadium this year. You know, if you haven't been to a Galaxy 2 game, by the way, this USL championship is really growing. You know, they were six teams in 2010. Now they're 35 teams. There's a billion dollars in stadium construction either under un, underway or pledged by this league. Um, it, the uh, expansion fees, they're $330, $325 million in MLS, but they've gone up in, in, uh, in USL, USL, too. Yeah. Um, it, this league is, and there's a lot of players in this league, more, more players this year that ha- have international caps than in, in any previous season. The, the level of play is pretty good. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I always say it's frenetic, right? It's, it's very much sprint this way and sprint that way, and it's not as organized as you might. More goals than MLS. More goals, sure. yeah. I mean, I think everything is just sort of uh, not as developed as you would expect in sort of, quote-unquote, a minor league. Um, but it, it still can be fun to watch. So anyway, if you want to get your tickets out there, uh, you can for LA Galaxy 2 coming up on Friday night. Uh, the LA Galaxy schedule has them away to Miami, then home to Orlando, then home to Sporting Kansas City. Uh, then it's away for three games, away to Minnesota, away to Philadelphia, away to Toronto and then home to the Houston Dynamo on April 25th. So some busy times. Uh, We'll certainly keep you updated on all of those as we continue to move forward and try to figure out exactly what's going on, one with the coronavirus, two with this LA Galaxy team who does not have a functioning offense right now. Um, And we'll just try to keep you updated on all of those different things. And if there's more press stuff, we'll, of course, bring that to you as much as you want to hear it. Um, But it's just there's a lot of interesting storylines going on right now in, in Major League Soccer. The Guillermo hot seat is one. The Guillermo hot seat is a very interesting one because if you would have said, hey, so let's say the LA Galaxy don't do good. Is he going to be on the hot seat after two games? If you would have said that in the preseason, you would have been like, nah. But the way they're playing and the way they're not functioning right now is a huge issue. Somebody pushed back to me and said it would cost way too much. They'd have to pay Guillermo out. He's got another year on his contract. That was me. That was I said that to you. Oh, I thought it was someone intelligent. Oh. But uh, <laughs> So the, you pushed back on that. and But you know what? There the money that they're spending that they would be wasting without getting this thing to turn around. And, and I'm not saying Guillermo's got to go now. I'm just saying that the clock is ticking and he, and you're right. He, he, he needs to show something more than, than his team has shown in the first two games. Yeah. I, I think that's for real. All right. Uh, anything else, Kevin, you good? Are you yes. happy? Yeah, you you. I mean, you came all the way down here. First of all, that's a good thing. So you were actually in the COG studio, which is always a plus. So we're glad that you you made it down. Um, and then uh, lots of soccer coming up for the LA Galaxy. So we'll uh, we'll keep you up update on that. Uh, I guess if we're if we're done, I guess I can I can just be done. I don't know. I was. It, it feels like we're missing. Do we forget, yeah. did we Let miss anything? See. I know. Check your check your notes for a second. Uh, I just want to make sure that we're we're a hundred percent done because. Every once in a while, as soon as I hit the stop recording button, you will go, oh, remember, we should have talked about this because that's usually what happens. All right. If you're good, I'm good. Yeah. All right. Cool. If you're looking for Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at kbaxter11. And please head on over to uh, LA Times where you can read all of Kevin's articles, all the great stuff that he has there. Uh, He does a great job. So please, please uh, go follow him, read him, uh, and make sure that he continues covering soccer in Southern California. Um, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our articles, some great stuff from Larry Morgan and Eric Portuguese Hammer are up there right now, so make sure you check those out. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. 
And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.